This is the new weapon show with Jerry Lynn, and you're listening to another wrestling podcast. Another wrestling podcast! Woo, woo, woo! The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. They make sure you and Booty, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. It's time for another wrestling podcast. Oh my god! We are taking over. Drink it in, man. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. And if you're not done with that, then he's got two words for ya. When we talk about the legends of the sport, there's only two in my book. A-W-P, another wrestling podcast. boom, realest guys in the world. Man, I, I got this phone call at 3.45 this morning. Do you, do you know who called me? No, who the fuck is this? Nigeria called me. Dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I wake up at 3.45, and I hear my phone vibrating, and I go to look at it, and I'm like half asleep, and I'm like, uh, my wife's asking, who's calling you right now? And I'm like, uh, ni- ni- Nigeria. Nigeria. Because <laughs> it, it said the location it's calling, and I'm like, I, who the hell do I know in Nigeria? Why? Who the hell has my phone number in Nigeria, let alone calling me at 3.45 in the morning? And I'm like, the closest thing I know to anything in Nigeria would probably be Samba Simba, if anything. Oh, Jesus. Maybe Kamala. Who the hell knows? (laughs) I mean... Oh, that's Uganda. My bad. I mean, I get my African states all messed up. But but, but seriously, Nigeria? Like, come on. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Anyway, forget about Nigeria. Welcome to another... (laughs) wrestling podcast this is episode 143 i'm credo and i'm angry cooter each and every week we are here to show you we're more than just a podcast we're the whole fucking show that's right and joining us today is the new effing show jerry lynn i love jerry lynn when he came on the scene in ecw and he had these classic matches with rob van dam one of which we saw in the Mid-Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, New York, our hometown, just blew my mind, Credo. Yeah, man. You know, uh, guys, gals, everybody listening, uh, if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, uh, listen up, because Jerry Lynn is also going to be putting on a pro wrestling seminar. It's going to be $30 a person. Uh, the best in class that night will be in a match for Fight for the Mind 2, happening down in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Reserve your spot now. Head on over to iyfwrestling.com slash fftm for more information. We'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit, but... Uh, Jerry's going to be with us today before the event next week, so we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go. But, Cooter Man, it's been a crazy week in wrestling, as always, so let's get right into the week that was. Right off the top, uh, what a week. Uh, we, we found out that Kurt Angle is headed to the WWE Hall of Fame, and hey, we weren't even surprised because we had to get it put on social media for everybody to see beforehand. I mean, man, I'm sick of the lack of surprises these day, this day and age because, you know, back in the day you put on TV, this happens. Could you imagine the pop? Just even for you sitting at home knowing that Kurt Angle's going to the Hall of Fame instead of getting like a tweet or somebody to ruin it that he's going in. I mean, hey, I love that he's going in, but at the same time, stop ruining these surprises, man. I don't know. I mean, uh, I think the news broke on ESPN earlier 
before it even hit social media. So, I mean, I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, is that maybe something that is ESPN worthy? I mean, in my mind, it is. Don't you think? Well, definitely. I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm missing the old days of turning the TV on and then you actually hearing that for the first time. No, no internet, no iPhones, no, you know, none of that to where it was an authentic surprise. But I get it today that they have to hype it up and get everybody to tune in. So it's more of an advertisement to tune in to see what what all the information's about. But I mean, uh, hey, yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I do miss the surprises, but I think they're just trying to work that relationship with ESPN where they give them some sort of exclusive. I mean, it's not necessarily a bad deal, but I mean, at the end of the day, I agree with you, man. I do miss those surprises when you're like, oh, oh shit, really? Uh, and you jump out of your chair and you're like, yes! Man, you know, WWE has has definitely been uh, surprising us at least each year. I mean, the headliners we've had from Sting to Warrior, uh, they've been great. It's a, it's a shame that we really, you know, didn't get the Macho Man in time uh, before he died. But, uh, you know, there's a list of names. I think we're going to have to have a Hall of Fame show to talk about the guys who aren't in the Hall of Fame yet. And, uh, you know, but either way, Kurt Angle, man, going in. That's, uh, that's going to be great. Now, Cooter, uh, the U.K. tournament, man, did you, did you watch this? It was a two-day tournament watched, last weekend. Yes, I watched Back to back, I missed it on Saturday, and I I pretty much caught up on the first episode right before the second one started. So, I mean, I was maybe a half hour behind everybody else, but that was just incredible. It was nice uh, to not really know anybody in that tournament for me, I mean, outside of Trent Seven. I don't want to be one of those guys who starts talking about guys and had no idea who the fuck they were. So, I, it was just going to be interesting to me to see who the fuck what, what these guys were capable of because i had no idea who they were and that's that's rare because we tend as american wrestling fans really to watch things that we're really familiar with especially with people we're familiar with it's tough for us to give something different a chance so if you put the wwe's name on there you know i had to tune in and man that did not disappoint whatsoever uh, you know, I, I I do want to play devil's advocate. I don't want to, you know, frown on everything. But let me hear me out. Uh, you know, going into this, we heard that it was going to be the United Kingdom tournament for the United Kingdom Championship. Uh, I was kind of expecting a little bit of a how the Cruiserweight Classic was set up like that. Um, it was definitely a lot less show and more wrestling. Uh, I mean, to the fact that you know they didn't have the big uh, setup like they did down in Florida. You know, it's overseas. Uh, you know, I was expecting the, the showmanship of it to be a little bit better, but, uh, it, it, I don't know. I think I was kind of, uh, kind of comparing it to the, the cruiserweight classic a little bit and how that was played out to how this was played out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, going into it, not knowing anybody, you know, to me, it's like, I mean, I don't know who the, how these guys were to anybody else overseas, you know, like to me, it almost looked like WWE bizarro land to where it's like, it's WWE wrestling, but not with the WWE wrestlers. So it was definitely different to see. I think the first night probably wasn't as good as the second night. The second night definitely had all the, the bells and whistles, if you will. Yes. Um, but, but, uh, you know, it was definitely different and I can't wait for more of these kind of tournaments. Uh, I'm kind of curious what they're going to do actually now that the tournament's over and what kind of show they're going to get and when it's going to start and all that stuff. Credo, I'm telling you, I, I couldn't agree more. That first night, I want to say like the first half was pretty slow for me after the opening match because I, 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 yeah. I am a little familiar with Trend 7. So, I mean, I, that did get me pumped and I'm glad they opened with that. But uh, some of those first rounders were, uh, <laughs> but, you know, they, they did real good 
at the end of the show with oh, yeah, definitely. character development, like a friend of mine said. And we, we basically had a little bit of a storyline going into the second day, especially with Pete Dunne um, just going ballistic on his next opponent and just beating the shit out of him to the point where Regal is pulling him off. You're going to ruin this tournament. And like it, it was it was well done. It wasn't overdone. No, for sure. And uh, I'll, I'll admit, you know, honestly, the first show I kind of fell asleep, but did not get, I was actually tired, too. I But I still <laughs> fell asleep during it. Well, it wasn't just because it, it put me to sleep, but I was I was actually tired, too. But uh, but yeah, man, I think uh, incorporating that angle at the end of the show to where it was like, you know, where uh, he pushed him and they started the whole fight and they showed the whole video of him walking backstage and Triple H confronts him, William Regal confronts him. Uh, it was great. You know, they definitely they definitely made you want to tune in to day number two. So uh, at the end of the day, though, you know, it's it's really cool. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'm kind of wondering if, you know, they'll even have like a UK championship match at WrestleMania. You know, not at every pay-per-view, obviously, because it's overseas, but just, you know, the big show, you know, the WrestleMania. I think they'll have like... You know the UK Championship match, or will everybody not relate to it and just not care about it? It depends on how fast they get the uh, the show set up. If if we get a couple of shows in, because I think it's supposed to be like a another weekly show, hmm. um, I could see them, you know, bringing these guys over just for a championship match. I th- I think it's important to represent everybody that you have underneath your banner at your biggest show of the year. So I think that needs to happen and. You know what? Even if they don't, I wouldn't mind seeing you know a rematch between Tyler Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne because, I mean, the story they told in the finals was incredible, it really was. And and dude, Tyler Bate is only nineteen years old. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's just incredible performance from somebody so young at the, at the age of nineteen to be as good as you are, not just in the ring but. His character that he, you know, he just played, mm-hmm. just incredible. He worked that crowd to perfection. No, definitely, and it's like you said too. We didn't really know these guys, so it's not like we can judge too many of these guys because I mean, we haven't been watching them for years. We literally just watched them for a few hours on two nights. Uh, so it, it intrigues me more to find out more about these guys and watch them now. Uh, now that we've seen what they can do in in a way, so it, it was definitely fun, um, you know. And hey, if, even if they don't use them on WrestleMania, maybe they when they go overseas and do like Raws or SmackDowns, you know, have them having them be there a part of that show. I think that'll be definitely worth it, you know. Anybody else on that from that tournament you you really want to get a second look at? Uh, the first match that you said, uh, the guy with the beard, man. Uh, what was his name? Oh, Trent Seven. Trent, yeah, yeah. Just his the way he talks and the way he acts. I think he's cool. Uh, I don't know. I think he stood out really good. Uh, there was a few others, but man, I forget their names. You know, it's I, like that I, one, the one guy. I saw him one night pitched, and I forgot already. Uh, Pete Dunn in the I think it was the semifinals. Mark Andrews. Yes. He basically looked like a cruiserweight, but I mean, the stuff he was doing was just incredible too. I mean, the, I, I am pumped. Just the three guys, four guys that that I've connected with in this tournament alone, and I'm sure there's plenty more to come. I mean, there's a lot of talent overseas that us Americans are just not aware of, and, and I hope we get exposed to it. Yeah, and you know, it's incredible what WWE is doing from last year to this year, man, from the cruiserweights to this UK tournament. You know, now even Triple H said that probably the summer will be the women's tournament. The, you know, the sky, the, the sky is the limit now with WWE. You know, I, I mean, a few years ago, 
we do, it was like they only worked within their talent. Uh, you know, you had to go through WWE's door. You had to go start down in NXT and Florida Championship Wrestling and work your way up. Now it's like, man, all these doors are open bigger than they've ever been open. So it's it's really exciting to be a fan, especially for the WWE now, because they just know, man, they're they're opening up every every which uh, door to anything now. So uh, it's exciting, regardless. Uh, all right, let's talk about the club, Credo. Oh, man, uh, what a what basically a... winning the tag team champions from Cesaro and Sheamus. But you know, we we, we get a, a referee with a you know. Uh, with a need to change his tampon, basically. <laughs> oh, Sheamus kicked me in the face. So they get the DQ when basically the club got a clean win over Cesaro and Sheamus for the belts. Yeah, man. And it was quick. So I'm like, all right, what are you guys doing? Are you testing the waters? Have they paid their dues yet? I was so happy when they won it. And I was like, all right, finally. And then they're going to do that and turn the decision over right away. I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch. Uh, you know, you know what? Is that a match you definitely want to see again anyway? So, I mean, I really don't have a problem with them extending this rivalry. And even if the club doesn't win those belts, like, you know they're destined to do it eventually because I think they're starting to have a little bit of faith in this team. Yeah, and, I, you know, whether it's like what are they, they're paying their dues since they came over here. Uh, but still, man, I think they should have won it a long time ago. They're probably the best tag team on the uh, the Raw brand that they have or one of the best tag teams that they have on the Raw brand at least. Um, and, you know, just from their, their popularity over in Japan coming over here, I wish they wouldn't have, you know, faltered on that and kind of kept that momentum going. But, you know, it is what it is, and I'm, I really want to see them pushed again uh, yes. to where they need to be. And like I said, you, I, I personally hate guys being thrown together for tag teams like Sheamus and Cesaro. I got it when they had the whole Best of Seven series, and then that happened and whatever. I, I get it. But at the same time, man, you have like these established tag teams. Stop trying to recreate the tag teams for no reason and just have the guys who are tag teams be tag team champions. And, you know, if I'm hoping maybe they get a rematch at the Rumble. Uh, it's going to be a big, long show, so hopefully they could win it at the Rumble. If not, maybe the night after the Rumble. If not, at WrestleMania, baby. I'd be happy within those few chances uh, for the club to win the, the, the belts back. So, I don't yeah. know. I, I hope they just... The only thing I don't want to happen is if they win it now and then they lose it at WrestleMania or something. I really want them to get a good run with it, but that's all. There's two things I want to say about this. I, I, I tend to agree with you with them throwing teams together. I think what they did with with Sheamus and Cesaro is actually working because they did have that nice storyline behind it. And it's been like this gradual, you know, they're finally starting to get along after basically beating the shit out of each other and become the champs. This is the one time where I'm not annoyed by it. And, and two, in terms of the club, you want to talk about paying dues. You're talking about two guys that came over from Japan and got forced to do some of the stupidest shit ever on television. Hence, the old day gimmick. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> and then there was, oh, God, um, when they were doctors. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that was funny at first, like the first time they did it. But, you know, then they tried to make them do it, I think it was maybe a week or two afterwards, too. And I'm just yeah. like, all right. It was yeah, it's one of those things that was funny one time. Exactly. It's a good one-off thing, but don't keep them having – like, they don't need a character like that. You know what I mean? There's other guys that can be funny and silly like that. You need these guys to be just badasses, man, and just coming in, beating people up, and winning. Like, they don't need to do something silly or, you know, ride a tricycle around the ring or jump on it. You know what I mean? Like, stop – we get that it's the E is entertainment, but we don't have to be so stupid about it. You know what I mean? Like, we get it. Just let them be 
see who they are and what they've been, especially with their popularity in Japan. Like we saw what they could do. Let them do it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, there's been a lot of returns this week. Uh, one return I want to most notably say is Jerry Lawler returned to SmackDown. Uh, and But he returned with the uh, the King's Court on SmackDown, something we haven't seen in years. Uh, and I'm, I thought they were done with Jerry Lawler, man. They put him on the pre-show, then they canceled the pre-show. And then he was like just twiddling his thumbs he had nothing to do and now all of a sudden they bring him back uh using him in this Dolph Ziggler little storyline going on but uh what are, what are your thoughts I mean is it a risk to put Jerry Lawler on TV or uh do they, they want to use him right I mean dude, he's getting to the point where he's getting hired and fired as many times as Jim Ross <laughs> okay that's one two I rather enjoyed him on Smackdown stirring the shit uh a lot of these so-called talk shows they're, they're just not there's too many not yeah. working for me yeah. i mean we have the ambrose asylum we have ms tv we have uh god the jericho one I, there's probably another one on raw that i i can't mention but i mean we we talked about this last week with 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 beefcake yeah I mean, we had the barbershop, we had Piper's Pit, and then even Jake, we had the Snake Pit. I think we even we, forgot to talk about the King's Court, but uh, that's right. it was, you know. That was, wasn't, yeah, I mean, God, there's the funeral parlor, but these, they, they all had classic moments that I will forever remember from my childhood. There is not something that I can remember from last week from the Ambrose Asylum. Yep. <laughs> I, you, there's there's nothing that's or, – or Ms. TV. The, the, Jerry Lawler did it, and he did it really good. So I have to give him his props. But for him to get physical, I don't know how good of an idea that was. I mean, he's still <laughs> wrestling. Yeah. So, I mean, we really can't say shit, but at the same time – When you have a heart attack, you're really up your liability – of uh, yeah. doing stuff on live TV. So, but I think it's really good to have him as a, you know, using him. Cause he's, I mean, he's popular. You go, we, everybody knows who Jerry Lawler is, but I think he, I think it's perfect for him to have a talk show to where like Ambrose asylum. I don't think he needs a talk show. Just do what he does. He doesn't need to have a little gimmick talk show. A few guys I can understand having, and he's it, but- not good at it. Credo. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, Ambrose, right? No, Ambrose isn't good at it. I really don't even think Miz is good at it. I mean, he has uh, flashes of greatness, but th- they use their talk shows to pretty much further their storylines. Yeah. I want an outside party, exactly, like Jerry Lawler, to to get in between two guys and and, and stir the shit. That's why I loved it when, uh, you know, you'd, you'd have Piper's Pit, and he would just fucking. <laughs> Do what he did and, and, and basically stir the shit. And he's not involved in the storylines that he would, you know, be stirring the shit in. And and now it's it's the exact opposite. Yeah, and, you know, it's good to use him like this. I mean, he's a legend. Uh, it's a talk show. He doesn't have to wrestle. He doesn't have to put his own storyline over or whatever. And I think it's it's a perfect fit for him. Uh, so I'm w- kind of wondering what they're, what this is really leading to. Is it really going to lead to King's Court every week or every other week or whatever? Or is it leading to something else? Because in the, in the rumblings in the news, we have Michael Cole is going to be uh, off commentary soon. And uh, he's going to be doing either something backstage or whatnot. But he's going to be coming off a of commentary. And... And what they also announced is that Jerry Lawler is also going to be calling the Royal Rumble this year, part of the Rumble team. So he's back calling the that. The whole I mean, card or maybe just the match? 
Um, they haven't really specified, but I mean, I'm sure it'll be good parts of it. Maybe they'll switch for each Raw and SmackDown match, but, uh, they said he's going to be on the commentary team for that. Uh, so he's calling that. And once again, that is one of the big pay-per-views. So maybe it's just, you know, the one-off as that he'll just do the big pay-per-views maybe, but, but still they brought him back, man. He's, he's not, he's not gone. He's not, you know, uh, the curve. you know what? I think they put him on King's court because it was in Memphis this week. True. That's true. So, and then two, I, th- I think. I think it's a smart move to just have him call a rumble match because, uh, I mean, it is he, – he's not on a brand. Yeah. So, you know, you, you don't have to mix up the teams. And him and Cole have worked together. So, I mean, he's he's not brand exclusive. So he's not he, – he can be that impartial uh, commentator who could just, you know – do what he does best. That's right. Uh, well, regardless, we'll see what happens with that. But you know, there's an also there's also another return. Uh, my favorite, Mickey James, has returned to SmackDown. Uh, they revealed her to be La Luchadora, even oh. though a few other girls have played that part. They uh, used that to to reintroduce Mickey James to the SmackDown brand. Uh, we saw her a few months ago on NXT going against Asuka, where she uh, lost uh, in a match for the NXT Women's Championship. But they signed her. On a new deal, uh, and she's part of SmackDown now. Uh, was this a good move, bad move to reveal her like this? Uh, what are your thoughts on seeing Mickey James? I love seeing Mickey James. I hate seeing Mickey James as La Luchadora, yeah. and this is how you bring her back. Seriously, dropped the ball with this. And 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 let's be completely honest. That match that Alexa Bliss was in with Becky Lynch was the drizzling shits. <laughs> and I was so not interested in this that when the mask came off and it was Mickey James, I was like, well, that's kind of a buzzkill. <laughs> well, here, not even the fact that, okay, they're in a cage match, yet she just walks right through the door. I thought the whole purpose of a cage match is to keep people from the outside coming Yes! In. <laughs> if she, like, ran up to the cage and jumped off the top or something, okay. But she literally, like, the ref, I think, opened the door for her, and she went right in, and I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, this is a cage match. You just defeated the whole purpose of this whole match right now. And Good job, referee. Great job. <laughs> but that was just ridiculous. But I, I'm happy to see her back. I don't know how she's going to do as a heel. Maybe it's just for a little bit uh, to 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 hang out with Bliss or get her over or do something, but I don't know what the, what really is going to be in store for Mickey James. I'm sure she's she's definitely here to uh, you know help the oh, talent you out. You know but. how Mickey used to do things. I mean, she did the same thing to Trish. She would be all buddy buddy with her until she turned on her, just so she could get her shot at a title. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I don't think she's good as a heel. I mean, the fans loved her as a, a, a face, but. Uh, I don't know. We'll see yeah, what happens. I think they loved her more as as a crazy, a crazy heel. Yeah. Because when she when she pulled that that crazy, she was, that's how she started as like Trish's like number one fan and wanting to be her bestie and all that. Yeah, yeah. And it just made her batshit crazy to the point where once you got to WrestleMania, the the fans were cheering for Mickey James, who's supposed to be the fucking heel. But again, that's Bizarro Land. But it stuck <laughs> after the fact. So. That's what made it cool. Well, hang on. Let me tell you this then. How, how do you I, – I, I personally like that they actually have uh, – well, I guess you can call her a legend, right? You know, they have somebody who's been on the, the women's division for years who knows how it goes to where it's almost like she can be a part of the, the new women's division as, uh, you know, kind of like that, that big brother aspect, big sister, if you will, uh, of the locker room to where – 
you know, she's she's been through it all. She can kind of guide these uh, young up and comers, uh, the women who haven't really have you know been wrestling for years and years, but. It's just another yeah, name, right, for them? I think that she would have done better on Raw in that role, though, just because SmackDown already has Natty, and Natty's kind of like, you know, a seasoned vet. It's not kind of. She is the seasoned vet, yeah. especially on that roster. I think um, there are some girls over on Raw that could probably use her guidance a little bit more. I mean, there's really not too many people for her to mentor over on SmackDown. Well, what do you mean, Raw? Because the only match I know is only Bailey and Charlotte every week. <laughs> they don't know how to book any matches outside that championship. No. I don't even well, know who, no, what other women are there. I really say that. You got Nia Jax and Sasha <laughs> in, the, in the works. That's um, true. Yeah, and that, and that roster is pretty thin, bud. I mean... <laughs> I can't even really think of anybody else who's on Raw right now. It's almost like they should have kept the women's division on one brand and then keep, like, uh, the on the other. And I said that. Yeah, or something to that effect. But, yeah, I mean, splitting them up, then you really have a less – I don't know. It's it's damned if you do, damned if you don't, I guess. Uh, I mean, I guess it's – you know what, though? I mean, in, in that aspect, you got to look at the plus side of it. I mean, we can really only name four girls who are on the Raw roster. Mm-hmm. And they're all in matches. That's right. Whereas, same thing on SmackDown. The only person who I don't really see in any action right now. Well, she's sort of kind of getting some action. I mean, she's doing that spoof with uh, Chins McMahon over there. What's her face? Carmella. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, there's just so much happening this week. Uh, Guys, gals, everybody, head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. Like us, subscribe to us, rate us, review us, iTunes, Stitcher. We're, we're everywhere. Just head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. You'll find all of our links. Promo of the week. And I, I was going to take the high road and just say thank you and leave. Don't take the high road, Paul. But I have something to say to you! You see, I've waited a long time to say this to you, Eric Bischoff! But in case you don't notice, it's not Paul Heyman with his tail between his legs going to a WCW pay-per-view!
Mr. Shoot Promo himself. Bounce checks. ECW went out of business. Hey, John, on a personal note, from all of us, just to you, since you want to shoot, cowboy. The only reason you are WWE champion for a year is because Triple H didn't want to work Tuesday. AWP Studios, we have the new effing show, Jerry Lynn. Joining us today is a former World Heavyweight Champion, a man who has wrestled his way across the world from WWE, ECW, TNA, Ring of Honor, uh, and into our living rooms over 25 years. To me, he will always be the new effing show. Please welcome Jerry Lynn. Jerry, uh, how's it going? It is, well, I can't complain. Things are going great. How about you? Doing, doing great. Uh, you know, like I said, you spent uh, 25 years in the squared circle before retiring. Uh, how has retirement been for you, and how has your uh, neck and back been since your surgery? Well, um, since retiring, you know, I thought life would slow down a little bit, but it seems like it's gotten busier. You know, uh, you got to get to have you know more family time and stuff, and that keeps you really busy. Mm-hmm. So it. <laughs> it's a surprise. And then, you know, of course, you got the never-ending to-do list that the wife has for you that never ends. It <laughs> seems to get longer all the time. <laughs> Definitely, but, yeah. How you been healing, though? Been, been good? Um, but my neck, you know, the, the doc said, he said, you know, I can't promise you it's going to get any better, but we can stop it from getting worse. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much where I'm at. I still have the numbness and tingling down my right arm and my hand and fingers. But at least uh, now, if I get in a car accident or have a bad fall, I won't have a, you know get paralyzed, which is what he told me before I had the surgery. And 
a couple months ago, I did have a pretty good wipeout mountain biking. So oh. I, <laughs> and afterwards, I thought, after neck surgery, maybe I shouldn't be going off jumps anymore. <laughs> so, but uh, and then uh, the low back, I was having some problems with my lower back still. So uh, it had gone out on me a few times. And so I went, got another MRI done. And he said, because my lowest disc is bulging, and then he said the two joints above it are, I have quite a bit of arthritis. He said the arthritis might be, you know, mm-hmm. closing in the gaps around the nerves. So he, he suggested we try some uh, uh, epidurals. So I went through a series of three of them spinal injections, and nothing really changed. I still had this pain in my upper left glute and stuff. And, you know, I was talking to my uncle and he, he said he had had both hips replaced. So I asked him, I said, what were your symptoms? What are your symptoms? Mm-hmm. And I had the exact same symptoms. So it finally dawned on me after all this, you know, the injections and stuff and it didn't change a thing. It's gotta be my hip, which I figured when I was still wrestling someday, I figured I'd need a hip replacement because of, you know, early on in the career, it's a lot of top rope leg drops. Sure. Yeah. Then, 10 years in, it becomes a second rope leg drop. <laughs> and then another <laughs> yeah. 10 years, that's a leg drop from the mat. <laughs> yep. And then, you know, I had to pick a pile driver for a finisher. So, you know, there's more landing on your butt and then sit out power bombs. So who knows how many thousand times I landed on my butt. <laughs> so I went, uh, it was a year and a half ago, had x-rays on my hip and they said I had a lot of arthritis. Well, I just went, few weeks ago and got an MRI on it and they uh, I, my neurosurgeon he prescribed it so and then he said when they got the results I have severe arthritis in my hip so tomorrow morning actually I'm going to the orthopedic to go over the MRI with me and see where we go from here well, we, 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 I know all the fans out there are wishing you uh, a nice recovery. I know it's going to be a few bumps and bruises along the way, but uh, I mean, uh, even going back a little bit too, uh, there was a GoFundMe page raised by Brian Fritz. Uh, you got to respect the fans out there. I mean, they love you so much. Uh, they were able to help pay for the surgery, uh, and even some of the extra money was donated to the charity, uh, the Nashville Rescue Mission. Uh, what would you like to say to the fans that you know stand up to? Because your line of business, you're not actually getting you know the insurance to cover all these medical needs needs and uh, you know the fans to come together and support that support you help you through that uh it's got to mean a lot to you right oh well it just you know when i didn't at first want to do it and uh fritzy talked me into it because you know uh, and uh when uh i when i told him i said all right you know go ahead we'll try it maybe we can get you know hopefully two three thousand dollars to help get me to the, you know, past all the deductibles and out-of-pocket costs and stuff. And then I was going to miss, you know, at least a month's worth of work. And when the donations just started pouring in, it just brought tears to my eyes. I was just floored. I mean, there was fans from, I mean, literally all over the world. I couldn't believe it. Even countries I'd never been in. It was crazy. And then even, uh, you know, other wrestlers, mm-hmm. um, uh, promoters I used to work for. It was, it was just, it was, like I said, it brought tears to my eyes. I just couldn't believe it. It was just amazing. Sure. And, you know, 
I have said thank you so many times. I, I, I can't say thank you enough. You know, words just can't. Well, you know, that, uh, I, I think from the fans, words. exactly. I mean, from the fans, you know, that's at least our thank you for all the years you, you've given us in the ring. Uh, it's a little, you know, something we can help you through it. But uh, uh, do you have any advice to maybe young wrestlers who will go down the path that you have in wrestling as far as you did uh, on maybe what to look for or when not to be so tough and to listen to your body signs and to, to go see a doctor? Or is there anything maybe that you went through that maybe you can offer some advice to any wrestlers out there now? Um. <laughs> I always used to say when someone says, you got any advice for someone who wants to be a pro wrestler? And I'd always say, go to college first. <laughs> you have something to fall back on sure. because the chances of making it in wrestling are not very great. And, uh, now I've actually told, I know one person, I've told a couple people this, um, I say, don't overstay your welcome. And I don't mean, as far as the fans, I mean, as far as your body, I probably should have quit about eight years before I did. Mm. And, but I think, you know, it, it's hard to quit. Sure, it's yeah. hard to stop. Even when your body is telling you and you're starting to feel the aches and pains and you've already had a few surgeries, it's still hard to quit because it's, you know, I've had a lot of different jobs over the years, especially early on in my career when I had to have the regular job supporting my wrestling habit i'd always get a job through a temp agency because and i'd tell whoever i was working for at the time straight up front you know i may need to leave town for a week or two and everyone was always cool with it but so i've had a lot of different jobs over the years but wrestling for the most part was the only job where i woke up and looked forward to going to work every day nice all right and you know there's not a lot of people who can say that sure of course yeah (laughs) Uh, now, you know, I also mentioned, too, you know, you, you spent 25 years in the ring. Um, I know you're you're getting some bumps. <laughs> the bumps and bruises are coming back right now. But uh, what would you contribute to the longevity of your career, though? Because not a lot of guys can say they wrestled uh, for that long in the ring. Um, probably part of it is when I started. And I, actually, I started late in life. I was 25 when I started. But... I mean, like the era of wrestling then, because as the years have gone by, the bar has been raised higher and higher with how dangerous the moves are and, and how, what, you know, kind of impact, the impact has increased too. The moves have gotten more dangerous and higher impact. So when I first started, it wasn't as bad as far as, you know, a lot of top rope stuff. And cause you're coming down, you know, you weren't coming down from such a big height. And then, you know, as things progress now, especially the last probably 10 years, you got guys bumping on the apron, bumping on the floor, you know, instead of in the sweet part of the ring, Hmm. (laughs) you know? (laughs) So the business has just gotten progressively more and more dangerous and, and the more higher impact moves does a lot more damage to your body. Sure. Even though I, every, Whenever I do a seminar, I tell the guys, I say, every time you hit that mat, even if it's what we consider a small bump, like taking a tackle or a clothesline or something, mm-hmm. every time you hit that mat, you're doing a little bit of irreversible damage to your body. Mm-hmm. And it just slowly builds up over time. And the one thing I didn't realize till it was too late was the older you get, too, uh, the more damage every bump does to your body. Mm. 
So it's, it was, you know, mm-hmm. it's a learning experience, but you know, even, I don't know, I guess early on in my career, you never even think about quitting. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, later on in the years, uh, well, maybe, I don't know. There was a time where I thought I'm not going to quit till my body says, and sure enough, that's what I did, which was kind of foolish because there's a lot of things. I've always been a very active person mm-hmm. and there's a lot of things I can't do now. Sure. Like water ski or snow skiing or, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of dangerous, <laughs> your most notable time in wrestling for me was in ECW. Uh, and I, I know it's a place, too, where you said you never thought you would end up going, but you did anyway. Uh, can you tell us your first impression of ECW and what you thought of it before you even went there? Well, when I wrestled for WCW, I lived in Atlanta, and I'd get together with my buddy. Uh, I think it was like on at 2 o'clock in the morning on some obscure cable channel and we'd watch ECW. And then, you know, you had these guys would be brawling out in the ring and the fans would be just handing over the rail, them weapons like yep. frying pans and microwave ovens and, you know, super Nintendos and anything you can think of. And they're just clocking each other over the head with frying pans and stuff. <laughs> and, and then you had Balls Mahoney and Sandman standing there and trading chair shots, and those chairs were just about folded in half. It was crazy, and I just, I just, I even said to my buddy, I said, "That's one company I will never work for." <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> when I was done with WCW, I had a tryout match with WWF against Takamichinoku, and when that aired, I think that let that Paul E realized I wasn't under contract anymore. So we had Chris Candido call me up and Chris calls me up and says, yeah, Paul E wants to know if you'd like to do a couple shots for ECW. And I said, you know, and I was worried that I wouldn't have any work after just getting released. So I told him, okay, I said, here's how much I want. And one more thing. I said, I don't want some idiot hit me in the head with a frying pan. And he said, no, no, no. we got our brawlers and we got our wrestlers. So, but you know, I realized um, that wrestling was changed, you know, obviously was changing. And mm-hmm. if I wanted to survive in the business, I had to be willing to change a little bit with the business also. Sure. So I couldn't tell you how many times I got hit in the head with that kendo stick and went through <laughs> tables and, oh, got, got, and had RVD kick a chair through my skull. And <laughs> so... You know, but, you know, like I said, things change, and if you want to survive, you've got to be willing to change with it. Sure. Now, uh, speaking of RVD, uh, one of your greatest rivals was uh, RVD. Uh, you guys would give pay-per-view quality matches everywhere you worked. Uh, what was it about the chemistry with you two that just made you want to work harder? Is there anything that drove you guys to, to just, you know, give those great matches everywhere you went? Um, boy, I, I think it was just, you know, we were challenging ourselves and at the same time, we I think we were, at, you know, we were making it fun for ourselves and we were, it was a real challenge because we were trying to give the people something they hadn't seen before because we were two good guys, you know, and most of the time years ago and a lot of times people never wanted to see a, two good guys wrestle each other. They just want to see a good guy and a bad guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you had two good guys out there, a lot of people considered it boring. So I guess we were just trying to make it, you know, 
make it exciting and fun. And, uh, and, and, uh, <laughs> we played rough. It seemed like just about every match, either Rob or I, or both of us would be popped open. So <laughs> it was, uh, it was fun, but it was rough at the same time. And, uh, AJ Styles, he, he described it very well after he wrestled with Rob and he said, when Rob hits you with something, it's like being hit by a Buick because Rob is really solid. Uh-huh. He, he's built. <laughs> yeah. You're the best of both worlds as you know, you wrestled as a cruiserweight, but you also wrestled as a heavyweight. Not a lot, not a lot of guys can do that or say they did that. Uh, to you, did it matter one way or the other? Or, I mean, did it bother you of, you know, not being always labeled as a heavyweight and just a cruiserweight sometimes? Or, I mean, you, you did a bunch of, a bunch of each, right? Well, I would always, uh, I guess what would get frustrating at times is I felt like I dug myself into the spot where when, when a lot of different promoters would book me and stuff, they wanted to see a half hour X division extravaganza, you know, and you know, when you're doing those type matches, you're taking a lot of bumps and it takes its toll on you or, and then, or else it would, it would kind of bother me when people would just want you to go out there and just do a train wreck match. Well, then I feel like I'm taking bumps for nothing, you know, Yeah. especially when you're, when you, when you're in a match that involves a lot of people, well, not really a lot of people. Cause then you don't have to do as much cause everyone takes their turns doing stuff. But, um, when they ask for a match where they just want a nonstop train wreck, then you you can't really go out there and tell a story and have every bump mean something, you know? And that's what I mean by taking bumps for nothing. And I feel like I'm doing damage to my body for nothing. Then. Sure. Yeah. But, so it would get, it would get frustrating at times because I still want to go out there and take the people and give them that emotional roller coaster ride throughout the match. And there's a lot of times where they didn't want you to do that. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) To me, it didn't make sense. Yep. Now, you know, it didn't matter who I was wrestling, whether it was another X division guy or a, uh, you know, a heavyweight guy or whatever. I always still tried to tell a story and have it, have the match actually make sense because we're not actually supposed to be out there running around like chickens with their heads cut off and just doing moves for the sake of doing moves. Mm. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, WWE has brought back their cruiserweights with their new division and, uh, the show two Oh five live. Uh, do you think these guys will ever, ha- uh, get, ha- or ever have the chance to break out of that division and be seen as a possible top mid card guy, or if not a main eventer, or do you think, with that now in place, you think all those kind of guys with those those body frames, those body weight, will just forever be uh, the cruiserweights? Well, you never know. You can never say never because when you even look at the main roster now, there's a lot of smaller guys on the main roster now than there ever used to be 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, because 20 years ago, it was the land of the giants for the most part. So, and you know, and look at Mysterio had a good run there. And, it, you know, so you never can say never. Sure. You never know what's going to happen. There's so <laughs> many guys now that are the top stars 
there in WWE, but I wrestled 15 years ago on the indies. So you never know where you're going to end up. <laughs> sure. Uh, now, there's a lot of wrestling happening each week uh, today. Uh, does anybody out there today remind you of a young Jerry Lynn, or is there anybody on your radar that you enjoy watching? I don't know if I'd call them young Jerry Lynn. They're all so much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> There's guys that really, you know, catch my eye and stuff. And I, like I said years ago, when I had my, I think it was right around close to when I was getting ready to retire, that Mike Bennett, he always really stood out to me because I watched him in Ring of Honor just walking to the ring and not saying a word, just his look on his face and his mannerisms and he had the crowd hating his guts just doing that and i just <laughs> thought why well, he gets it <laughs> and adam cole and you know he would adam cole just during the match he would tell so much uh, of the story with just the expressions on his face and stuff so i mean there's quite a few guys out there that are you know and that neville he's amazing just uh you know <laughs> definitely can do such amazing things I mean, there's so much, so much good talent out there. Uh, yeah, we we also have uh, a few uh, yeah, uh, messages from fans out there. Uh, Vlad uh, Vladimir Joseph from Connecticut. He says, uh, "Who thought of the Mister JL gimmick, and uh, what was the purpose?" He was asking. I came up with the gimmick, not the name. And at the time, I I had already been going to Japan quite a few years for this Lucha company over there and for Michinoku. And, you know, there was, got to see a lot of cool mask mix. And I think it was about, I'm trying to think, seven years in or something like that. Uh, I thought after going over there so much, I thought, well, no one's doing a mask gimmick in the States. So, and what I, and at the time, the Power Rangers were big. And so, and I had talked to Brad Rangham, the guy who trained me. He had asked me to come out to camp, his camp, and help train some of the guys. And I asked him, I said, I said, Brad, I said, it's been seven and a half years. I said, what do I got to do to get a break? And he said, well, the business has changed. It's all TV now. He says, you've got to come up with something that stands out and grabs people's attention and keeps them from changing the channel. And so that's what turned the light bulb on with the mask gimmick. Uh-huh. And at the time I had been working at a screen printing shop and I, so I got one of the guys in the art department, uh, to help me design the outfit. And I told him I wanted something that was sort of like power Rangers, but not exactly something alien like. And he came up with that design. And, um, when I showed Brad, he took pictures and video of me rolling around the outfit and stuff and sent it to the office in WCW. And they said, that's exactly what they've been looking for. <laughs> so, so I went down there and they asked me, what do you want to be called? And I'm throwing out some names like the phantasm or the cyber Knight or something, you know? Sure. And they said, well, we don't want to just, and this was all at the last minute. This is like a half hour before the show starts. <laughs> and they, they said, well, we don't want to just slap a name on you without researching any copyright infringements. And they said, oh, what the heck? Call him Mr. JL. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> you know, and I invested over $1,200 in the sure. get me outfit made. And I'm like, you gave me that name? <laughs> I was like, 
Oh man. <laughs> well, uh, we, we have another question too uh, from uh, Randy Hammond, and it's almost a two-part question because uh, I have the second part I want to ask for it. So he's saying, "What do you remember about your match with RVD at Hardcore Heaven 1999 in Poughkeepsie, New York?" Now that's our hometown in Poughkeepsie. Um, but my my part to this question would be. Uh, do you remember you, you fell off the top rope in the match, uh, and you, I think you bashed your head on the cement floor? Uh, did that change any of the plans for the match, or do you even remember the whole match from that moment? Because from from my point of view, being there live, it looks like you really hit your head pretty pretty bad on that floor. I did, and uh, um, people say uh, something like, "How did you continue the match after being knocked out?" I said, "I wasn't knocked out." I said, I wish I was, so I wouldn't have felt the pain because it hurt bad. It felt like my head was in two chunks. But, uh, yeah, I was just going to, you know, roll off the top rope to the apron and to the floor, and my foot got caught on the middle rope, and I missed the apron and went face first to the floor, and that was actually the third time that month I broke my nose and then had to go to the emergency room and get my head stitched shut after the match after the show and uh but um it hurt a lot and i'm (laughs) laying there and the ref comes over and says you okay and i said no i'm effed up and uh and then um rob comes over and he stomps on my head and i'm just like leave me alone (laughs) (laughs) and then and the rev comes over again. I, I think at first I told him, I said, just tell him to roll me in the ring and pin me. Yeah. And uh, I think Rob stalled a little longer, and I think he even stomped on my head again. <laughs> and I was just like, please stop. <laughs> anyway, by the time he got me up on the apron, the pain had subsided a little. So I said, screw it. Let's go. Let's keep going. And so it didn't really change anything in the match. Sure. Yeah. So, but (laughs) I just remember after the match, I'm walking back to the curtain and Paulie's there and he says, that was the greatest match I've ever seen. And I said, it sucked. I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was knocked pretty loopy in Nova he said he, he took me outside and said, "Let's get some fresh air." I, and it helped. I needed some air. Sure, yeah. But I wasn't. It was. It was a rough month, though. It <laughs> was. You know, having my nose broke three times in one month. So. Sure. Uh, and now, last question too from uh, from uh, Russell Jaff. He's asking your memories or any stories that stand out to you from uh, your Ring of Honor run towards the end uh, with the belt. Was it designed to be a direct parallel parallel to the wrestler in the planning or design? I think that's what they were going for was, you know, but I think they waited too long because, you know, the movie had already been out for a while, I think, Mm -hmm. but having the run there was, it was hard because, you know, and I got a lot of flack because, you know, ring of honors known for being for younger guys, you know? So I was pretty old for being there. So I, you know, there was a lot of pressure, but I, to do well and but the pressure was all from myself i've always been my own worst critic sure yeah. and so i always put a lot of a lot of pressure on me and i knew uh, you know and i was what 46 47 46 when i was there and you got all these guys who are in their you know early 20s and i've got to try and keep up with these guys <laughs> you know and it wasn't it wasn't easy and and uh 
Um, so I put a lot of pressure on myself, and it was hard. Mm-hmm. And But I was still proud of what I did because um, there were certain times where um, during the match, especially when I had the belt, during the match on certain shows, the people actually were biting and thinking I was going to lose the belt. Mm-hmm. And it, that's hard to get them to do on a house show or, yeah. you know, what, what they would consider a B show. You sure. know? Mm-hmm. So there is some, mo- you know, I, I was proud of what I did there, even though I knew I was up in my years and I couldn't go like I used to, but I, I, you know, I did my best for at the time with what was left in my body and what was left in the gas tank. Sure. And, but it was hard. Sure. Uh, you know, Jerry, uh, I could talk to you all day if I could. But, uh, you know, the reason why you're here, January 27th from 4 to 5.30 p.m., you'll be having a seminar before Fight for the Mind 2 in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, at the National Guard Armory. Uh, what can the students uh, attending expect from a Jerry Lynn seminar? Well, um, a little. there's so much to cover, and I really don't have you know a set planned routine what i do because there's so much it, it it's just un, you wouldn't believe how much there is to cover sure and mm-hmm. so there'll probably be things i won't even remember to cover but um i will i will do my best to show them things that will uh take them from looking indirific to a professional and there's so many little i mean even the smallest there's such small, minute details that will make all the difference in the world, you know, besides other things. But, you know, I, I will try and, I always try and help them, you know, with psychology and, and there's so much, there's is so much. And sure. Yeah. yeah. We I mean, don't just, have a lot of time, but yeah. I will try and squeeze as much in as we can. Definitely. And, just and to be, also just to be able to, to, to train with one of the greats, you, I mean, that's the price, well worth the price, but uh, yeah, you were saying. Well, you know, you never stop learning. I wish I was still wrestling because I feel like I still only know a drop in the bucket. And that was the one thing I loved about wrestling is you never stop learning. You're constantly learning every time you get in that ring. And um, I was also going to mention that um, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings is sponsoring the show by Stones River Mall. And from open to close, if you go there and mention Best of the Best Wrestling... Um, they will donate to the charity, which is the Alzheimer's Association. 10% of your bill will go to the Alzheimer's Association. That's great, yeah. And there also is going to be a meeting of, I think throughout the day, it's going to be like an all-day deal. There's going to be different times throughout the day, different wrestlers there doing meet and greets at Buffalo Wild Wings. And I think 3.30 to 5, it's going to be Tommy Dreamer and Rebel from TNA. And... Um, then after all that, there will be a VIP meet and greet at the armory from 545 to 645. And then at 645, they'll open the doors for everyone. And the show starts at 730. And also the fight will, or the fight, the show will be available on iPay-Per-View on Fight TV, uh, the following day, Saturday, the 28th. So if you can't make it, you can check it out on iPay-Per-View. 
Definitely. I also want to mention so, too for 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 all the fans out there listening too, and uh, for anybody that wants to go to the the seminar with Jerry Lynn, and I don't know why you wouldn't want to go, but the best in class will be in a match during the fight for the mind two event. So another reason to show up for the seminar, guys, if you're listening out there, and just to reserve your spot now, if you head out over to IYF. Uh, wrestling.com slash FFTM. You can get more information on that. That's IYFwrestling.com slash FFTM. So uh, just another reason to attend the seminar, right? The best in the class will actually be. Yeah. On oh, the show. yeah. Yep. They always do that to me. They make me the bad cop. So I got to pick one <laughs> and say, the rest of you suck. No, no, I just kidding. <laughs> but uh, it's just more pressure. That's um, right. I'm trying. Oh, also, um, there's a. Special referee, the MTSU head football coach, Rick Stockstill, is going to be the special referee uh, for the match between Chase Stevens and Chris Michaels. So um, I'm trying to think if there's any other goodies. Uh, there's so much going on that day. But, you know, you got uh, Tommy Dreamer, Rebel, Chase Stevens, one half of the Naturals from TNA. You got Tom, Dr. Tom Pritchard's going to be there. Uh, Tracy Smothers, which is, you know, every locker room needs Tracy <laughs> and, and I can't, you know, I, I'm, I'm Joe's, I'm Jones and I hear Tracy say everybody dies. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jerry, I mean, it's been a blast. I really appreciate your time tonight. Uh, are you into the social media universe at all? Can fans keep up with you anywhere? Um, I'm slowly trying to get into it, but I'm not fully into it yet. Sure. So, right. well, st- to stay tuned for everybody, I- right? Yes, but, uh, you know, um, I was going to plug, you know, when I had my neck surgery, mm-hmm. a couple fans designed T-shirts for me, and then actually Wolfie D from uh-huh. PG-13, uh-huh. he's a great artist and does great stuff, and he designed a T-shirt for me. So there's a few T-shirts at Pro Wrestling Tees you can check out, and I'm trying to think what else there is going on. Not really much right now. I'm... I haven't really been pursuing much, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try and start getting out there a little more. Sure. Well, so. if you if you're ever up in the Northeast, I know the fans up here would love to see you. And uh, you know, Jerry, once again, I really appreciate your time tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Anytime. We'll do it again sometime. Today's show is brought to you by. This is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to another wrestling podcast in association with Celeb VM. Order a personal video message from me and many other wrestlers and celebrities now. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Get a personal video message for yourself or as a gift for someone else. For personal connections, shout-outs, birthdays, proposals, weddings, and much more. Enter your details about yourself so the celebrity can record a personal video message, especially for you, including details such as your name, age, birthday, hobbies, or whatever else you include. As soon as the video has been recorded, you'll get an email with your link so you can share it on social media or download and keep it. Celebrities record videos as and when they can, usually within two weeks. But if you want a video for a specific date and it does not look like it will arrive in time, you can cancel it and get an instant refund at the click of a button. There are hundreds of celebrities to choose from and many more joining every day. Search by category or genre. Buy a gift voucher, get updates and offers, and encourage your favorite celebrities to join so they can connect with fans in a fun and unique way. Raise money for their charities and much more. So order your video now for yourself or for someone else. Celebrity Video Messages and Another Wrestling Podcast team up. 
be sure to head on over to celebvm.com slash AWP. Credo, my God, that is an awesome interview. Thank you, Jerry, for joining us on another wrestling podcast. We hope to have you on again soon. Credo, kudos to you, my friend. Yeah, man. Uh, great talking to Jerry. You know, it made me reminisce a lot more about ECW. Uh, that's where we predominantly saw him, even though he's been in pretty much everywhere from WWE, TNA, uh, and beyond. But uh, kudos. We're Ring of Honor, shit, yeah. Yeah, man, everywhere. Uh, but let's talk about ECW. And I'm not saying, you know, hey, let's uh, let's do the whole history, because Lord knows WWE finds a way to come out with a new ECW <laughs> <laughs> special every year for somehow. I don't know. It's like the, the uncovered best of that's never been released least special of ECW, but whatever it is, uh, let's talk about our own personal uh, discoveries of ECW, if you will. Uh, I remember in high school, uh, just people rumbling about it. Uh, have you seen this? Have you watched it? It's on at like 2 a.m. or whatever. And back this day, back in this day, it's not like you could set your DVR. I had to program my VCR to record it. Oh my God, VCR! <laughs> I forget what channel it was on, but it was on you know whatever channel at like 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. or something to that effect. It was on really I late. I want to say it might have even been. Uh, could it have been MSG? I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't think remember. It was. Yeah, but I don't I, remember either. But I tell you what. I, I remember, do you know how I got introduced to ECW? What's that? Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy? Yes. I had to go to the pharmacy over in Hopewell. And I mean, I had bad Poison Ivy and I picked up a prescription and it was the only place that I knew of that had wrestling magazines outside of WWE magazine. So, I mean, I'm talking like, Pro Wrestling Illustrated and, and and all those other ones, right? Yeah. And you know, I picked a shitload of them up because it was very rare for me to be over there. And I'm sitting there reading about the franchise Shane Douglas basically throwing the NWA belt on the ground and basically calling it a piece of shit. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, that's interesting. And uh, you know, ever since then. Again, it's 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 what I would hear in high school. I mean, I, it just it just kept growing from there. Yeah, man, it was, it was that thing because like I had to tape it, had to see what was going on. Uh, I even watched it a few nights, you know, trying to stay up late enough to watch it. And it was like, all right, this is different, you know, because we're we're so at this point we're so used to WWE and WCW kind of, but WWE is still in that campy phase. It wasn't really full blown Attitude Era uh, because without ECW, they really didn't get too much into the Attitude Era without them. So it was kind of, I think there was still Duke the Dumpster Drosy and all that stuff. Oh that. yeah, they were still doing all that gimmicky shit. So it was like we were used to that stuff, right? And then when we saw this, it was like, in your head, we know what wrestling is, we know how it's done. But when you watch this, man, it was like, wow. They're really wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I really thought at one point that it was like UFC with weapons. Exactly, man. And that's the thing is like, cause you got to go back as a kid. Cause if you're watching now, of course, you know how yeah. things are done. But I mean, as a young Mark growing up, you're watching this. You're like, holy crap, this is totally better than WWE. I mean, they're right. They're actually, they're really fighting. And you know, that's the, <laughs> as much as you could say, really, you know, it was, it was just the whole look of it. You know, the reality of it, there were no, there were at times, but there was no like silly characters like a, a Duke the Dumpster or whatever. You know, there were, a lot of these characters were just real guys using rock and roll music that we knew as their entrance music, and it was, 
you know, that was like, wow, it was, this is it, man. It was like, you're coming out of that phase of the campiness of pro wrestling to where you're almost questioning yourself. Should I still watch it? And then you find this and you're like, of course I'm going to still watch it. Look at this show. You know, it was totally beating out anything WWE and WCW was doing at that time. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I really enjoyed about it is they did such a great job making characters that weren't gimmicky and cheesy. Uh, I mean, uh, Classic example is Raven. Yep. I mean, you talk about somebody who just could cut a promo, was great in the ring, had amazing ring psychology, and just knew how to get a crowd to hate him. <laughs> and the Sandman, there you go. That's <laughs> That was his fucking... He's drinking beer. You never saw that anywhere in wrestling, yeah, you know? Smoking a cigarette to the ring. <laughs> I mean, the only other person I ever saw doing that was, God, I think it was the big show when he was still in WCW. <laughs> Walked to the ring, smoking a cigarette. And you have to find that video because it's so funny. That giant hand, that cigarette looks like a fucking toothpick <laughs> in his hand. It's hilarious. Oh, man. You know, it was just, like you said, the characters, too. Even, like, Sabu. All I had to see was the homicidal, suicidal, genocidal. You know, and all he did was come out and point to the ceiling. And you're like, who is this guy? And then when he starts wrestling, you're like, holy shit. This is fucking awesome. Like, you know, it was just totally different characters, the way they were approaching everybody. And it was awesome. And we were so lucky to live. We're so lucky to live in the area that we do, Cooter, because uh, Poughkeepsie, man, without the Mid-Hudson Civic Center, uh, they did a lot of classic WWE shows there back in the day. But ECW was so smart and realized that it was was such a perfect building to do tapings, especially for them, to where, of course, they can't go to, like, Madison Square Garden or some really, really big arena, but they could go to this arena, the Civic Center. And if you've never been there, if you're listening from all over the world, just look up the Mid-Hudson Civic Center and Pro Wrestling and you'll see the history that has happened there and just for them to go there and tape it it was like for us man it was like 10 minutes up the road we can go see you know pay-per-views for ecw or house shows or live shows or whatever and uh it was awesome i mean that that's i think what made it even more better is when we found out that it was coming to our backyard and actually doing tv tapings because at this point too i think wwe even stopped doing tapings at our uh, at the arena they did some in the early 90s but now this is like what 96 towards the end of the 90s you know 97 98 whatever uh and now they're taping again there and it was like wow it was such a drought for a few years that yeah, WWE because they were using anything. a i mean they were using that for the first couple of raws even and that was like i want to say was that 91 or 92 where they started doing raw i don't yeah. even remember even though it was only a few years later it seemed like it was like decades yeah later. <laughs> man the it way was it like, happened We had this drought. I mean, we would be lucky if we got a house show or two a year when we were used to them being around at least like once a month. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, when when ECW came to town, it was just all hands on deck. Looks like we're back in business because something was always better than nothing. And this was completely different than what we were used to. And quite frankly, I mean, it, it made me want to see more. I mean, God. The moment that sticks in my mind f- and it will forever stick in my mind is Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn. That's right, man. And that's uh, that's one of the greatest matches probably uh, their whole rivalry rivalry through the years happened right up here in our backyard. It was, was a hardcore heaven, right? I think so. I'm pretty sure that was it, man. Yeah. I mean, that was I couldn't even tell you anything else that was on that card, Greedo. <laughs> that's and, and that's sad because I bet you if I was to search that card. And try to find that pay-per-view. I bet you I'd be like, oh my god. Like, this was probably an amazing show. But that one just stole it. 
Yeah, man. And it, it's it's just, from everybody listening out there, I'd love to hear your stories too. So please, once again, you know, anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. You'll find all the links. Tweet us, Facebook us, whatever. I want to hear what you guys thought about ECW too because they really did break that mold and made it real. And it definitely made WWE and WCW step their game up even more uh, because it was like, crap, now that the, the, bag, uh, the cat's out of the bag, if you will, that people want to see this kind of hardcore wrestling, you know, it even graduated to the WWE eventually bringing in their own hardcore championship. Uh, WCW had their own hardcore championship too. And it was like for the soul. Remember man, that was because they brought ECW on raw. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just saying like that, you know, all those things would have never existed without ECW. And it's almost a shame that, you know, they didn't really have a big financial backer at that time to where I wonder if almost we could take that era Put it to this day and age, and see like if that happened, if that happened now, if somebody would really stepped up and like really gave them a lot more money to see, to just to give them more competition. Because could you imagine an ECW at that time who was having the money like Ted Turner or Vince McMahon, like as a third company? You know what I mean? Like out of the- never happened. I know it never <laughs> happened in this day. No, in this day and age, yeah. I, I I would. That's one of the things where it was the perfect time. And it was only special once. I mean, we, we live in a in a world now where everything is politically correct. You can't say this. You can't do that. You, you, you're forced to have opinions on certain things. And God forbid you just disagree with it. I mean, the stuff that they used to do would, would not fly today. Yeah. It's just, oh man, I really wish somebody would account. Because, like, I think at that time, too, nobody really wanted to back wrestling companies to where they're like, eh. I, I feel almost today like you'd almost get, like, like a Mark Cuban or something and be like, yeah, let's do it. You know, like, I, I'm just wishfully thinking, though, you know, to where if they if somebody really gave them money back then, what would have really happened? But, uh, you know, it, it, it's just interesting. It's just amazing because they really were the top three. It was WWE. WCW and ECW. They were, those were the, that was the game in town and they really pushed everybody else to their limits. And, uh, I, we have to be so happy for that. Give me a top three and your favorite, and then your favorite tag team from ECW. Top three, definitely Rob Van Dam. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely always going to be in my top, uh, Sabu right there with him. Uh, just cause he's, these are know, good ones. Yeah. It's crazy. And then I also have to say, Chris Candido is one of my favorites in, uh, ECW, uh, just because of the whole triple threat, uh, aspect, but, uh, he, he can even tag in, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow in there, but definitely I love Chris Candido, RVD and Sabu and tag team. You know, uh, one of the tag teams that I always loved was, was it the eliminators? It was, uh, yes, I was going to, I was going to say the eliminators with Cronus and, uh, and Saturn, that was an incredible tag team, man. Yeah, those were just my standouts. But I, but uh, what, what are you thinking of? Anybody, any similar? Or? Um, I mean, I'm gonna pick some different guys just because. I mean, uh, Raven has got to go on that oh, that's list. Right, yep. Um, I have to say New Jack because. Oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, he's just a barbaric animal, in a good way. Who didn't love seeing those weapons come out? I mean, that was like yeah. I mean, you wanted to see what he would use next. Kit, you knew you, you knew you were going to see some shit, man. <laughs> um, I gotta say, Tommy Dreamer, as a performer in the ring, he he paid his dues with that with that ECW crowd who really did not like him at first. 
Yeah, his whole gimmick too to me was like he was like the normal guy. He was like the guy, yeah. like the fan on the outside who came in and was actually a wrestler and was kicking ass. And that was like I think better than just you know having Sabu or being Raven or he was just like the normal regular guy who came in. And then in. once that Raven fucking uh, rivalry hit his career, man, and it just totally changed him. And that crowd really started to respect him. And listen, there's no more of a stand-up guy in the wrestling business than Tommy Dreamer. His career is just amazing. You can't hate on him. Yeah, man. What about a tag team? Ooh, you know, damn. I was going to say the gangsters because of New Jack. So let, let me put the gangsters as my tag team. I got Raven. I got Tommy Dreamer. And let's not forget about the Sandman. <laughs> Definitely, man. Uh, great picks. You know, I love it. Uh, just a little reminiscing about ECW and our, our our take on it, especially. Holy fuck! How do we forget about the franchise, Shane Douglas? Either of us, no, he's not either of our top threes. I was even thinking about the Dudley Boys for a tag team too, and I just didn't realize till later on. There's a lot of you know, good people that came out of there. What, what can I say? We should have done a top five. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> either you know, it's great to hear because especially it was right in our backyard. While a lot of you guys out there and girls, whoever's listening, you know, it was probably not even close to where you'd ever see it, you know? So, we're, we're, like, once again, we're lucky. We're lucky to live where we live, right? Yes, we are. All right, well, uh, each and every week, that's what we're going to be doing here on another wrestling podcast. And hopefully our host doesn't get any uh, any more phone calls at, uh, what, a quarter to four in the morning from Nigeria. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Ti va va, 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 ti va va